Hi, I'm Valerie Traplinski, and today's leadership quote comes from Oprah. Real integrity is doing the right thing, knowing that nobody's going to know whether you did it or not. The Leader Assistant Podcast exists to encourage and challenge assistants to become confident, game-changing leader assistants. Are you tasked with ordering food for your office? Let me tell you about Easy Cater. With over 100,000 restaurants to choose from nationwide and 24-7 customer support, Easy Cater helps assistants like you and me succeed at work and makes our lives easier. Visit easycater.com slash leader assistant to find out more. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Leader Assistant Podcast. It is episode 237, and I'm very excited to be speaking with Valerie Trapunsky. Valerie is a former A-list personal assistant and chief of staff and the current founder and CEO of Chatterboss, which is the first and only remote executive assistant service of its kind. And Valerie is also the author of her new book, Delegation Nation, which is a book on how entrepreneurs and assistants can thrive together in a remote world. Valerie, thank you so much for being on today's episode. Jeremy, thank you so much for having me. What part of the world are you in? So my heart is in New York. (laughs) (laughs) I was living in New York uh, for the past 20 something years, but recently I've moved to Miami, Florida. So that's where I am right now. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Do you have any personal hobbies or favorite books or pets or kids or anything like that? (laughs) Yeah. So I picked up running about five years ago and that's been an amazing hobby. Um, I write about it as an intro to uh, my book, Delegation Nation, because it is something that helped me manage, you know, my own stress levels, help me ma- help me be a better kind of a friend and coworker and leader and boss. And so, so much discipline um, around uh, running, but yeah, I love uh, reading. Uh, absolutely. You know, it's, uh, I, I think it's something that we have to uh, invest in uh, to be able to learn and get new ideas especially today in the kind of digital and social media world where we're kind of always like scrolling and getting like bits of content. Mm-hmm. I love reading and having that opportunity to kind of get like a full immerse myself in a thought from start to finish. So right now I'm reading nudge, which is um, a really interesting book on how to affect decision-making without taking away any of the choices. And so it's in the architecture of how we build our businesses, but also in how we as leaders, you know, hold uh, conversations and, uh, you know, get our teams on board uh, with what we're doing. So that's a, that, that's something that's on my bookshelf right now. Interesting. And who's the author of that? It's Richard Thaler. What I'll do is I'll make a note and add it to the show notes so people can check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a really good one. Great. Well, 
like I said, I'll put that in the show notes, leaderassistant.com slash 237. For those listening, want to find that. And Valerie, you know, my wife's a runner. So, you know, I love, I love runners, but I'm not a runner myself. And my, one of my favorite kind of <laughs> digs at runners is, you know, I'm not going to run unless somebody's chasing me. So what do you, what, what, what motivates you uh, to run? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the the same thing that motivated me to run is the same thing that motivated me to start Chatterboss is the same, uh, you know, thing that motivated me to run, uh, to write the book. It's something about like setting really big goals <laughs> and seeing if I can accomplish them. So there's a really big part of that. And so that's the honest reason why I got into it. I was just curious if I if I could do it. But of course, while you're preparing for such a big, to achieve such a big goal, you end up seeing that the beauty is in every single run, right? Uh, And so you build this beautiful habit for yourself. And so at, at least for me, about 20 or 30 minutes into a run, my mind starts thinking differently. I'm able to solve problems that kind of in my regular non-moving uh, life, I don't have access to. So it's been, it, it's been like a, a really cool form mm. of, of awesome. meditation. And I guess yeah, you also yeah. start to get addicted to the, uh, so to tell the us a little bit about your career uh, you first and we'll, we'll get to your book in a second, but what, uh, yeah, you, you were, how did you get into the personal assistant world? Um, and you know, you were chief of staff, so there's just a lot of a lot of a lot of stuff we could talk about there. But why don't you just tell us kind of how you got into the whole world of assisting? Yeah, I mean, I got into it on accident. I started my career as a an advertising executive. I thought that I would stay in advertising my whole life and that I would eventually become I had dreams of, you know, a CEO of an advertising agency. And um, you know, and that's what I saw for myself. But I got an opportunity. I was uh, 23. I was just looking to change agencies, but not looking to change careers. And I was introduced uh, to somebody that was looking for a personal assistant. And it wasn't on my list of kind of careers that I had imagined for myself. So in fact, I, at first I said, no, I, I don't uh, want to go down this path. Um, but I took the interview anyway, and it was quite interesting because the gentleman asked me, well, uh, can you travel at a moment's notice? And, um, you know, how quickly does it take you to pack your bags, right? And do you have the desire to be out of the country for the majority of the year? And a 23, that was super exciting. And so I took that position as a personal assistant. I ended up uh, moving uh, over into a chief of staff role in that uh, in that role that I did for a number of years. And it was, you know, we we traveled to over 65 countries and I had an opportunity to do so many different things in business that I never imagined and, um, you know, helped the company open up in new markets. And I saw the power of that role. And it's, you know, it's amazing to me, right? That, you know, kids, when you ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? I, you know, I I don't hear many saying, right, I want to be a personal assistant or an executive assistant, but what a powerful, amazing 
journey it was. And I think that there was kind of, there was probably no way for anyone to have explained to me the power and the excitement uh, and, and the fact that I'll be able to learn and see so much in such a short amount of time that I probably wouldn't have been able to do uh, anywhere else. So I'm, you know, feel very lucky for that kind of a detour, what I thought was a detour. Right, right. So, okay. So that's a lot of travel. (laughs) <laughs> um, did you do the traveling with your your uh, executive principal? Yes. And so that was, again, at 23, that was the most exciting part about it. It was that not only did he need someone to plan his travel, but he needed someone to be there with the guests. And so, you know, we, we took every trip uh, together. And so, you know, I, I was running out of pages in my, in my passport uh, very often. Wow, that's crazy. So, and I assume you, did you booked the travel too, or did you work with like a travel agent? Yeah. So I, I, I booked the travel. Um, I booked a lot of the travel. Um, you know, we had kind of different, uh, providers. Of course, we had different, uh, support we had, uh, in, in that particular case. Uh, we kind of had our own mini travel agency, uh, just with the amount of bookings there were, mm-hmm. um, you know, because we were booking for the principal, but we were also booking for all of the guests. And when the guests had their own personal travel, it kind of ended up being like a like a side hustle, right? Because it was really like a project uh, for me that wasn't like, it wasn't it wasn't for the money, right? It was that they were doing it like now that they have access to all the points and all the systems. Um, But yeah, so it was like a lot of fun and you got to also um, really know the people that we're working with uh, a lot, like kind of like the key stakeholders, um, you know, within that principal's life because of of all the travel that we did plan even outside of, um, you know, related uh, to that job. Mm. Wow. So, okay. You got to tell me, you know, I, you know, if you can't tell me who it is, can you tell me who it was? Um, <laughs> I tried to stay really confidential with all of the uh, individuals uh, that I have uh, supported. It was something that was, uh, it was something that was asked of me in, uh, in okay. those roles. Yeah. So I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm guessing recording, I'll share. <laughs> Okay, sounds good. I'm guess you I'm guessing you uh you don't necessarily share all in in your book either for obvious reasons. Yeah, I don't. And you know, I think that it's um I learned so much uh from uh those experiences and and it, it you know, it's kind of like thrilling to have that um experience but also um, to be able to write from the, you know, from the perspective that's being informed by that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't share in the book either. <laughs> uh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, we'll talk offline then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's one of the perks to be in a host of a podcast, right? Yes. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> well, you've got to tell me though, there's got to be some like with all the travel adventures and everything. Mm-hmm there's got to be like a funny story or a crazy time where you got stuck on an Island or, you know, something, something crazy like that. Right. There's gotta be something you can share with everyone. Oh, so many times. I mean, there was uh, like, I'll, I'll share something about, I, I don't know if some of the listeners can relate um, and it inspired a lot of kind of like things that happened afterwards and, and how I started Chatterboss and like the foundations of it. But 
working as an assistant um, for somebody that had that kind of a kind of amount of uh, kind of wealth and influence. So we would travel uh, private pretty often. And so what would happen is that this individual had a really big desire to, you know, see the world and see every single country, you know, in it. And sometimes, you know, there are certain countries that you need uh, permits, you know, very far in advance. And there were moments where he could convince the pilots like, hey, can you make, let's say, an emergency landing here because we can't get a permit, (laughs) but we really want to go. And, you know, and then we would end up landing and we would be in some super remote place and we would have to find, you know, um, an opportunity for, you know, 10 people to have hotels and like somewhere to stay. And so what was fascinating for me is that my personality does really well with kind of last minute things like that. I'm Mm. super flexible, right? Like give me a challenge like that and, and, you know, I'll be able to come forward. And of course you land and, you know, people on the Island are like, you know, not prepared for you. Right. Usually, uh, you know, there's one hotel and, 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 you know, they're getting ready for your visit for a while. So, you know, things like that would happen to us uh, pretty often, but it's so funny because, me as an assistant, while I was really great with those kind of like last minute flexible things, right? Like A plus on that. Things that I had to plan way in advance were very hard for me. So what I noticed in that role and why eventually I started Chatterboss was because the details for me were actually very boring. Like details that are like way in advance. Those were very hard for me to do. Mm. But things that were last minute, very flexible, you know, then I'm the woman for the job. And so I write about that a lot in the book, right? How I felt like there was a lot of pressure as an assistant and as a chief of staff um, to be the Jill of all trades, to be both flexible and, you know, systematic, right? Like to thrive in chaos and to have perfect order. And what I learned is that, you know, with our personality, right, we're either going to skew to one side or to the other, but we're going to have a little bit more of something and a little less of something else. And so it's it, it's been a kind of a fun journey understanding that about myself as I went through these assistant roles, giving myself the permission to be who I am, and then kind of creating a space for myself where I could just really thrive uh, in, in in the ways that I am strong at, and then I can get support in the in the ways that are that are not as easy for me to do. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's just, it's just fun because in a way, in, or on one hand, what your experience about, Hey, let's make it an emergency landing and let's mm-hmm. figure this out. Um, it's such a unique experience, mm-hmm. but on, on the other hand, the things that you had to do, you know, to, and had to coordinate and project manage, and the last minute changes in the nature of all that is exactly the same as every other assistant in the world, no matter what your industry mm-hmm. is, yes. um, no matter who you're supporting. So it's always fun to hear those unique situations, but still hear that, you know, the skill set that we mm-hmm. as assistants have is transferable to those situations. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> wow. So, okay. So before we kind of skip ahead a little bit, tell me about the 
titles, the personal assistant and then chief of staff, was that like a progression from personal assistant to chief of staff? Was it kind of a combo role? What was the chief of staff part and how did that come into play? I love that you ask that because I haven't had to think about it for a long time. You know, when you put on your LinkedIn, you kind of show a linear progression on on everything. Uh, mm-hmm. But now that you ask, the truth of it was in that particular role, it it didn't actually look that way. What it looked like is that for the duration of that position, I was always the personal assistant. And that came first in that relationship and in that role. And then it was be- my desire to fill in that kind of, um, you know, chief of staff capacity that I also started taking on those responsibilities. But in that particular role, like my identity as the personal assistant in the relationship came first. I don't know if that makes sense. And I think that that's not really typical in most organizations. Um, but now that you ask it and I like say it out loud, it it, it was a, a very specific different capacity in, in the role that I played, but it was, it was actually simultaneous and, and, and required mm. kind of, um, almost like double think in a way. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, and it makes total sense to me because a lot of the times in my roles as an assistant, I've, I, I have had to prioritize my kind of personal assistant side mm-hmm. versus the executive assistant side. Mm-hmm. Um, I found it's in seasons. So there are seasons where mm-hmm. I'm like, I really need to prioritize the personal assistant stuff. But then there are right. seasons where I'm like, I really got to prioritize the corporate executive assistant stuff. So, mm-hmm. no, yeah, that makes total sense. Thanks for sharing. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So then um, what is Chatterboss and why did you start Chatterboss? So Chatterboss is a dedicated and on-demand remote executive assistant company. We work with entrepreneurs and business owners, and we pair them to a dedicated assistant team. So what makes Chatterboss unique is that it's a two-assistant model. So you get a dedicated assistant that does the majority of the work that knows the executive really well and, you know, is kind of that main point of contact. And those are U.S.-based uh, assistants. And then we also have a team in South Africa. And those are assistants are at our admin level. So they support as the right hand to that dedicated assistant. They also provide coverage if the assistant is out uh, and is away. And so um, that model came to me because in that... Per- before I became a personal assistant, if I had to imagine what it was like, I thought that it was monogamous. <laughs> I thought that, you know, for every principle that's being supported, there is one assistant and that's the relationship. And over the roles that I've held, I saw that it was not monogamous. I was often the second or the third, sometimes fourth um, person in the assistant mix within uh, within those structures. And at first, to be honest, I kind of fought it psychologically because I really had one view of it um, and maybe even felt a little bit competitive uh, that that was the situation that I was in. Over time, I saw that 
there are individuals that I get to partner with that have a complementary skill set. And so that was a, a discovery for me, kind of somebody that wasn't uh, looking into that role, but falling into it. Um, what I had discovered within that position. Uh, and then I understood very quickly that if we want to provide to uh, within Chatterboss, the experience for the entrepreneur or the business owner of having that kind of 360, uh, I can access, you know, creativity and systems and, you know, uh, all of these different skill sets, but all of these different traits that is going to have to be a number of different people because, just like the entrepreneurs must stay inside of their zone of genius, so do uh, the assistants. So we, we've created uh, that model, and it's been uh, it, it, it's been a lot of fun for the last uh, seven years, kind of growing that, growing those relationships, and learning you know what makes assistants happy, uh, what makes clients happy, uh, what makes relationships as frictionless as possible in the remote world. So we've been, you know, researching a lot, learning a lot, falling down a lot, getting up a lot. You know, it's been a journey. Hmm. Wow. So, w- what year did you start Chatterboss? Twenty sixteen. Nice. And how many team members are you guys at right now? So right now we have 200 assistants and we have 13 employees. So 13 internal team members and then 200 assistants and our our assistants are contractors. Nice. Nice. Mm -hmm. And are you frequently hiring assistants or are you more um, looking for potential clients or both? Both. Uh, We're always looking for both and One of the amazing things and, you know, why I'm excited to be having this conversation with you, a lot of the times we get assistants that are part of your community. And I think that people who decide to belong to the leader assistant community that listen to you, that, you know, attend your events uh, by the virtue of being there and absorbing uh, this information, I believe that they really excel. They are really uh, putting in the efforts to be at the uh, forefront of the industry to be kind of like in the in the top of what the industry has. So I'm just I'm very excited to be having this conversation with you um, to have an opportunity to be heard by some of the assistants that may be looking for, um, you know, for a new place, kind of a new uh, uh, remote home, uh, right? Like a remote, um, you know, kind of environment uh, to bring their gifts to because, you know, my vision for Chatterboss is a world where every entrepreneur has their dream team. But on the flip side of that, for that vision to hold true, every for every assistant to be the superstar of the team that they're on to be appreciated for uh for their gifts and for their talents and so we're we're always uh we're always hiring always looking for amazing assistants to join our team are you ready to elevate your career in 2024 i'm maggie olson founder of nova chief of staff certification the first-of-its-kind online course for aspiring and existing chiefs of staff. With curriculum taken directly from on-the-job responsibilities, 
Nova's self-paced learning modules provides you with hands-on experience so you can feel competent and confident moving into a chief of staff style role. It's the perfect next step for executive assistants. Head to leaderassistant.com slash Nova to learn more, grab the syllabus, and enroll today. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, I'll put the uh, link. It's chatterboss.com, but I'll link to that in the show notes at leaderassistant.com slash 237. Um, you know, working with a team that large in a remote setting, what what are some uh, one or two tips on communication or even over communication in a remote setting? Yeah. You know, I, I, we went live before the, uh, the pandemic. And in, in those days, it felt like a lot of education around, you know, what people can do remotely. There was a lot of questions on that topic and something that over the years of watching assistants and entrepreneurs and how they communicate. And particularly because we know that the assistant function is so different from any other function because it doesn't have those very clear boundaries of this is the kind of work that you're doing. It really depends on the entrepreneur, their industry, their style, right? Your skill set, their skill set, um, et cetera. And so it's been a really fun testing environment for learning different concepts. And one concept that I write about uh, in the book that I've seen work really nicely for assistants and entrepreneurs is the concept of what I call over communication. Uh, so it's a little bit like, uh, you know, Goldilocks, you go to, you know, to the different bed and you try, you know, which one is the perfect one. And I've found that when we talk about communication, over communication is the way to be understood in a remote setting. And what I mean by that is when you are giving information or you're sharing what you give a little bit more than what is needed, and you're not going to go into the over over communication territory, which is like saying unrelated information, but you're going to give, let's say, as the entrepreneur who's delegating, they're going to give information on what's needed and a little bit of extra on the side, perhaps what it's for, um, you know, perhaps something that's happened in the past that may not feel exactly relevant to this task in particular. But if you get this piece of information, it allows the assistant in a remote setting to be a little bit more to, to have the ability to be a thought leader because they will be able to anticipate something that wasn't part of the, you know, initial kind of very black and white um, description of the task. So for the assistance as well, the over-communication is important, uh, whether we're working with somebody that is highly organized or not very organized, because it we've found that it creates trust. When I say a little bit about what I'm going to do, it's like I'm putting on the blinkers and I'm saying, I'm about to turn right. I'm about to turn left. And you may not have any additional kind of feedback for me, but the mm -hmm. fact that I have told you what I'm about to do and I've articulated it, um, I find creates a lot of trust and also allows us not to be in the position where we're having to redo work or we're having to redo work less often. Hmm. Yeah, that's really good. I love, I love that. Mm -hmm. um kind of like a 
not an annoying like hey i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that and i'm gonna do that but like, hey just a heads up this is happening and it gives them that window to you know speak up and say oh you know what i was thinking about that and here's something to consider exactly that's exactly it. yeah if, if there was some unsaid uh need or desire or want uh you know it, it gives that person the opportunity from both sides uh, to be able to say, oh, actually, maybe I forgot to tell you this or, oh, you should know this or actually don't do that. I've, you know, I've done it that way before. And, you know, there is like some underwater stone there. Um, so, yeah, that's, it, it's exactly right. It's just especially in a remote setting, because we are when we're delegating and we're, we're receiving delegation, um, it's in a much more kind of quick context uh, that giving a little bit of extra is just the same as, you know, when we're in person, we have the tendency to share a little bit more. Um, so it doesn't come as naturally in a remote setting. And we kind of have to put in uh, processes to remind ourselves to do that. Nice. So what about a couple quick tips on delegation? Obviously, your book is called Delegation Nation. So I would love to hear maybe just your top number one tip for delegating. So one big thing that I talk about is personality and, you know, how our personality impacts the way that we delegate or the way that we are, um, you know, that we are receiving uh, delegation. And so one thing that I've heard from entrepreneurs and business owners is they have this uh, fear of a lot of them <laughs> have a fear of micromanaging. And so they end up saying less than what is needed. And a lot of the times where that goes to the extreme is where somebody gives a, a task or a project, they onboard uh, somebody new for the first time. And then for the fear of kind of being seen as a micromanager, they say, you know what, I'm not going to check in or have any more conversations about this project. And whenever you're done, just bring it back to me complete. <laughs> what we find a lot of the times in a remote setting is that this ends up failing and in a non-remote setting as well. But I say in a remote setting because we have in, in the remote executive assistant world, in the kind of relationships we have, uh, we have less access, right? Less uh, opportunities for synchronous uh, communication. And we oftentimes receive less information than is desirable. And so delegating in that way opens up the so much opportunity for the project having derailed in a way that you didn't want or anticipate and makes it very frustrating on the assistance side because the person kind of teased you with all of this autonomy. And uh, the truth is that there were some really real preferences. And so I'll always say, you know, on both sides, going back to that concept of of over communicating but um going back to that piece of if you are the one doing the delegation that you want to continue to check in along the way um and 
that sets up a good practice and gives opportunity to chime in uh, or to course correct or to share things that have changed along the way. Um, and I'll always encourage assistants on the other side who are in the receiving end of maybe very broad, open-ended uh, kind of projects where now the principal has kind of disappeared until you hand off to offer updates along the way, even if they're not being requested, um, to request that synchronous time to have an opportunity to share what's going on. Because a lot of the times we see that if if something is shared as an update via email, many entrepreneurs don't check it, unfortunately. But the synchronous communication really seems to land. And that's where um, in the delegation process, you you get the very crucial information you need to to do to do a good job. Hmm. Love it. Um, what what about character? So, you know, the entrepreneur slash assistant partnership. Um, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes one one party has good character, the other party doesn't. Character can be poor on both both sides or good on both sides what's what what are your thoughts on the importance of character yeah so character what we like to say is that there is no such thing as a good or bad character but understanding your character and how that impacts delegation both as an entrepreneur and as an assistant who's delegating the work to others um, plays an important part and so When I look at matches, for example, between clients and assistants, how I want to make sure that they're set up for success is, let's say I'm looking at the parameter of organization. An assistant can have high organization skills and the client can have higher, right? The client can be like in the top, you know, five percentile. And so there's nothing good or bad about either of those scores. But what's important to understand is who you are working with and where you are in comparison um, on that continuum. And so I like to do pairings with that in mind. Um, So nothing good or bad. If we have individuals that are... um, the the parameter will be called dependability, which is which is linked to organization. You can have assistants with low dependability, and they're amazing, and they're really amazing at one type of work. And assistants with very high dependability are amazing at other kinds of work. And so I am a person and was an assistant with low dependability. So I used to believe what that what that meant is like that I'm a fraud, right? Like, how can I be an assistant with this parameter when I learned it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, if anyone finds out, I'll never get another job in this town, you know? <laughs> um, but then I learned, wow, right? I can have this, this is a, if, if, if I know what it is, and if I know where there is a weakness and where is there a strength in here, then it could actually be my superpower, right? So today I use it as my superpower. But in those days for me, it was like a lot of shame and a lot of, you know, I was very, very stressed that that, that parameter worked in that way. And so today when we are hiring, um, our assistants will take a character assessment, but it's never, it never, um, it's never for the purpose of like hire or not to hire. It's always for the purpose of who's going to be the best match that's going to work with your natural personality. Um, 
you know, and then and then there's other parameters that we look at in that same way. But I want to make sure that I'm setting the assistant up for success and I'm setting the entrepreneur up in a way where they're delighted, naturally delighted by the assistant's natural gifts and personality. Hmm. So what kind of do you guys use like a, a an assessment process or a personality or values tests and stuff like that to try to help match assistance with entrepreneurs? Yeah, yeah. So we use um, we use the five factor model, uh, which is the most widely accepted uh, within uh, you know psychological communities. Uh, what makes Chatterboss unique um, with using this particular assessment is the way that we do the algorithm and the pairing. So what's actually really interesting is like if you look at um, kind of traditional uses of this assessment, it will say don't hire assistance with this, this, and this. So mm-hmm. there is still like a long way to go. In fact, for any position, don't... In, so in fact, what you're saying, right? Like, is there good or bad character? I believe there's no good or bad character. It's about knowing who you are and how to leverage your natural character to be inside of your zone of genius at all times, right? Um, but there's still a lot of hiring uh, that's done in a way that says this is good and this is bad. And I think that in the world of... IO psychology, we still have a very long way to kind of, um, you know, to, uh, to, to, to remove some of that bias related, right. And, and to do hiring, uh, in a different and a new and a unique way. And, and that's what I hope to do, um, you know, with, with Chatterboss, right. To make a difference in, in that world, um, in the place of psychometrics. Love it. Love it. Well, thanks for sharing again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what, what made you want to write a book and tell us kind of a brief uh, summary of what the book's about and who it's for? Yeah. You know, I, 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 I really wanted to write a book for a very long time. It must've been uh, five years or so. Uh, it was now looking back on it. I think that the, the biggest internal push to wanting to write a book was the desire to understand the principles that are kind of coming to me intuitively that I really couldn't phrase, like I couldn't give rules for what I'm doing, uh, but I felt like what I'm doing is working in this space. And so I think first and foremost, there was this kind of maybe subconscious desire to decode and understand um, and organize my own thoughts. Hmm. Um, And then when I started to get really serious about it, that's where, you know, you and I connected for the first time. And I was, you know, really grateful for your feedback. And that's where I got acquainted with the community and and your book. Um, And so that meeting people who wrote books in this category mm-hmm. um was also really inspiring um and then you know and and i think th- that that was the biggest um motivator I, I think internally to understand myself but then of course wanting to make an impact on entrepreneurs and assistants there was like so many things that i felt in the industry were kind of like unsaid rules Something like, you know, we were just talking about the personality piece that I really wanted to kind of debunk, right? I wanted to um, create a piece of content, a long-term piece of content um, that said, hey, bring your full self, entrepreneur and assistant, 
And this is how you can find a good long-term pairing for yourself. And so wanting to encourage entrepreneurs to delegate in healthy ways, uh, wanting to encourage assistants to um, work in the kind of partnerships with their clients that are healthy, um, you know, where they can enforce boundaries and just to, you know, overall, at the end of the day, we work to be happy, right? We work for for a number of other things, right? But but we really want to be working so that we uh, have happiness. And so that's what I was hoping to accomplish with this book is just to um, encourage that uh, from both sides. Nice. Awesome. Well, uh, definitely check out the book. I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes at leaderassistant.com slash 237. Uh, for those listening, definitely worth your time and energy to check that out. Um, the, I love the uh, subtitle. So the book is called Delegation Nation. And the subtitle is How Entrepreneurs and Assistants Can Thrive Together in a Remote World. So um, and, you know, as an audio podcast, um, you'll have to check out the show notes to see the book cover. But I will say, mm-hmm. Valerie, you're, you and the team did a good job on the book cover. I'm, I'm a big fan of it. Oh, thank you so much, Jeremy. And, you know, when we were working on the cover, um, you know, it's making a cover is hard work. And and it's a, it, it's amazing because all of the conceptual, like between like what assistants are um, so many times conceptually, uh, I kept going back to your cover like that, that <laughs> uh, view of it, it. I'm like, it's so smart. I'm like, I can't believe he got it. <laughs> um, because it like, like I had like different designers who hadn't seen your cover uh, work mm. on it. And they kept bringing back like something in that realm. I'm like, damn it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's just like such a good visual representation. So um, that, that means a lot to me. Uh, you saying that. <laughs> awesome. That's great. (laughs) Well, Valerie, thank you so much for being on the show. And I'm excited for your uh, book success and your Chatterboss business success and and all the fun things. What uh, what's maybe the number one place for people to reach out and find out more about you and, and Chatterboss and your book and and everything else? LinkedIn is wonderful. I love connecting with assistance on LinkedIn. So that's a wonderful place. My, I like to say my virtual door is always uh, open in that way. Uh, of course, to learn about Chatterboss, chatterbossboss.com. Um, and then the book is delegation-nation.com. So very much looking forward uh, to connecting. Awesome. Well, I'll put all those links in the show notes, leaderassistant.com slash 237. So people can check it out. And thanks again for being on the show. And thank you to those listening. Thank you so much for your support and for listening. Uh, Be sure to reach out and say hi to Valerie. And hope you all have a great day. And Valerie, thanks so much. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you. Please review on Apple Podcasts. GoBullows.com